think the most common question recently is, can you look at my tech stack and is it good enough? One, can I sustain? Two, can I grow? And three, where am I at um, economically? I mean, there's some costing to all of this technology and it's fair to say in this economy, can I skimp on something? Can I downgrade in order to save some money but still have efficiency? Managing operations for a billion-dollar RIA for almost 10 years, Christian Schmidt knows a thing or two about the best tech and ops processes needed to scale an advisory firm. She shared some of her expertise and advice on how she's helping her clients get through the COVID-19 pandemic on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Hello and welcome to the world of wealth tech, and this is the shelter-in-place version of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We help wealth management firms make better technology decisions. And on this podcast, I try to bring in the smartest people in the industry on the leading edge of technology and innovation to share with you uh, their advice and recommendations and experiences to make your businesses better and the way you serve your clients better. Before I uh, forget, please subscribe anywhere you're listening to this and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And my guest this episode is Kristen Schmidt. And Kristen is the founder and principal at RIA Oasis. And they're a consulting firm that helps RIAs with, uh, as the word Oasis uh, is an acronym for, Operational and Strategic Implementation Services. Kristen is one of the smartest people I know in the industry when it comes to tech and operations for advisory firms. I work with her on a number of projects, and she's brilliant. So I thought, who better to bring in to talk about what's going on during these times of crisis and how are all all the RIAs she works with, and there's a lot of them, dealing with it, and what are some of the questions they're asking her, and what are some of the answers she's giving them. We covered things like uh, video conferencing, issues with that, how to optimize it, uh, how a client's reacting, uh, of course, the questions they are asking, and some recommendations she has uh, to help get through the crisis. So uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So let's get started. And here we are with my guest, Kristen Schmidt, founder, and I'm going to call her the technology executioner of the firm RIA Oasis. Hey, Kristen. Hi there. Hi there. Welcome to the show, the remote show. Now we're all remote. <laughs> now everybody is. Everybody can understand it. Absolutely. So we were just talking before we started. I did a uh, webinar on running a virtual business, and we've always run virtual businesses. We have. We have. I think there's um, there's an interesting curve going on with a lot of advisors and financial planners shifting to this model because they have to. Um, and I smile with you because we've done this for a while and right. transition can be tough sometimes. Absolutely. It sure can. So we had a whole bunch of questions we wanted to talk about because you're on the, you're on the firing line here with advisors and RIAs and, yeah. uh, you know, so I thought it'd be a, a great podcast to talk. And I've had you on before. We've talked about the news and there's so much more going on now and you yeah. really sort of at the cutting edge of uh, 
what RIAs are doing and, and, and how they're seeing the world and, and what the changes are going on. So that's why I want to have you back uh, to talk I about some of these that. things. And so we were, we were, I had to stop us while we were talking before we started recording because we were wasting all of our good conversation. We're talking about <laughs> Zoom and video we were conferencing. We talking about Zoom, yes. And um, we both this use This used Zoom, to be right? our little secret, right? And now all of a sudden everybody's everybody supposed uses to know. It how good Zoom is. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I switched right. to Zoom. I, mean, I tried everything. I, I tried Uber Conference, the free version, then join me in WebEx and go to meeting. And I didn't like any of them. And I, I, I came to Zoom because it was the most stable. But now it's kind of getting less stable because everyone's using it. I mean, what are you seeing with, with the advisors using Zoom? Yeah, I am seeing that. Um, I did the same. I was a join.me user for a very long time, never really a big fan of the go-to meetings, um, just in a sense of it being a little bit more complicated and nothing about you know, virtual talking should be complicated. I also like the idea that Zoom is easy for the op other user, right? So when you have somebody who's not as tech savvy, um, I've Zoomed, Zoomed with my mother, um, my kids were just Zooming actually with their classmates uh, yesterday morning. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty easy to allow people to just see the share button, share their screen. Um, so I think they've made it pretty simple. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I am, uh, I am seeing a lot of people starting to adopt it. Um, but with that said, we're all learning new tips and tricks. If you've ever been in the advanced settings section of something like this, there's so many options. You tend to not read through all of them, but then as you talk to more people, you realize, ooh, I like that option, or oh, I didn't know that was available. So it's been a learning experience for me as well. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean I've actually gone through all those and, and double-checked them a while back, but I went, I went again just this morning. And one thing I was reading that people were complaining about Zoom was that most people don't use the password feature. They just mm. put out their user, their meeting ID, mm -hmm. and it's the same meeting ID for all their meetings, which is very convenient for all your clients. But then if someone just guesses your meeting ID, what hacker, they're not really hackers, what mm -hmm. mischief makers and, mm -hmm. and people who want to be sure. annoying are doing is just guessing random IDs and seeing if there's a meeting going on for that ID that there is, they start doing crappy stuff and, and, yeah. and disrupting the meeting. So, sure. um, one of the ways to do that is to set up a password, but then every one of your meetings, all of your participants have to type the password, which as you know, any extra step you give people causes problems. So what are some things they can do? Uh, I'm going to tee up this softball question for you. What are the things they can do to avoid uh, this people keep disrupting their meetings? The password feature is the best way to truly secure your Zoom rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, the feature that I use and that I've found is most convenient is the waiting room feature. And that means that if people click on the link, that right. my doorbell rings in Zoom and I get to admit them in. And that's and the, the feature that feature, I like the best. And the waiting room feature is in advanced features. Right. That is correct. Right. So there's that's just really a little fun. slider button where you can turn that on. And basically, you'll just hear a doorbell ring. You'll see the person's name and the phone number or right. their uh, connection via video. And then you can allow them to come into the meeting. And they just get a nice message on their screen right. stating that, uh, they, they're in the waiting room and they'll join soon. Right. And that's one of the biggest problems I heard from people. So that, that one little slider, yeah. it on. It makes a difference. Solve, solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we've all been on video, right? Where we're not ready. <laughs> like there's a minute where we're not ready or we're setting something up or, um, making sure our sweatpants aren't showing only our tops, right? Um, well, tops. That these days. <laughs> <laughs> so the waiting room is helpful on, in a lot of measures. Absolutely. And what were you saying that um, who, who was um, noticing the huge increase in purchase mm -hmm. of sweaters? And 
and yeah, nuts. Walmart Walmart posted that they are seeing um, double the sales in dress shirts and tops mm -hmm. um, for adults, and it is double to triple the amount of pants and shorts because obviously uh, everyone's zooming these days. Right, you don't need anything below the waist. This is it. This is it. It's and almost seen, like being a news anchor, features, right? <laughs> I've noticed some features that say make make me look better. Like the video conferencing mm -hmm. tools are like doing stuff on your face. That's true. So um, a lot of people are getting creative. Um, the website Canvas has released Zoom backgrounds, and you can create your own Zoom background. So if you don't want to see the live background, that's an mm -hmm. option. A ton of people are having fun with that. In the advanced settings of the video feature within the Zoom um, account feature profile features, um, you can actually, depending upon your camera, uh, soften the camera, mm -hmm. use natural light versus regular light. So yeah, there's, there's, mm -hmm. you can definitely have fun. And we're all home, so a lot of us have the time. <laughs> yeah, I want to zoom from outside my backyard. I know, right? Well, nicer. Out. I know, I know. And actually, it's funny. I just closed my office door. Um, but we're also seeing an influx of animals joining meetings, right? Just to bring people's <laughs> smiles on their faces. So my 70 pound dog is outside of the door just for pure distraction, but you can bring the dog um, in. <laughs> no, it's okay. He has joined many meetings. I'm currently calling him my office assistant. So, um, but nice. it does, everyone's trying to make this work. Exactly. And speaking of making it work, what are you seeing with advisors who are now having to do all this remote uh, video conferencing meetings, what's the problems they're running into? Sure. I think um, I'm seeing a couple of trends and um, it's probably opposite buckets. Number one, a lot of advisors have been prepared for this. And so they're getting to reap the rewards of being prepared by having tools like this, having IT infrastructure support by an IT vendor to help them transition. Um, the remote from home sounds great. I have a laptop, I could work from home, but when you really look at the security measures that you need, the access points that you need, um, in order to keep your business safe while you're working virtually, it's tough. So firms that have had that infrastructure are doing okay and they're thriving. I will say a lot of firms had the infrastructure and I'm hearing from a lot of my clients or previous clients where it was set up, but they never tested it. Remember, at the yes. SEC, we're audited often, but we're also right. expected to audit ourselves, okay? And right. so as we audit, it's great if you have a business continuation plan. If you have mm -hmm. a BCP, that's exactly what you should have by rule. But if you haven't ever tested that BCP, um, you're actually failing good. in the SEC's eyes. Mm -hmm. They do not slap you on the wrist for having a failure within your BCP. Mm -hmm. You get the slap, if you haven't fixed the holes or hurdles you identified during your testing, right? Mm -hmm. And so right. if you can identify the holes, um, I remember at my old firm, uh, we used to do different pieces of BCP testing every quarter. So when it was end mm -hmm. of quarter, the week before end of quarter, that's when we ran it. It just was a fresh reminder. One of those was a big one. We never told anybody. You also remember when we were uh, back in school, the fire drill would go and you wouldn't know you want people mm -hmm. to react without knowing about it. And that's what right. happened here. We suddenly, everybody started to get locked down in you know, different states mm -hmm. and in different places. Um, so we used to actually just randomly, two of us knew, uh, the chief compliance officer and myself in operations, and I would just go and unplug our server. <laughs> Literally just unplug <laughs> it and see what happened. And that wasn't just testing my employees to make sure <laughs> they could deploy what was needed. 
right? But that was also testing my mm -hmm. IT company, making sure they had set up mm -hmm. my backup correctly and testing my mm -hmm. vendors to make sure that we could access in different ways. So we're in it now. This is the true business continuation <clears throat> plan. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing a lot of firms that are executing it or finding holes and needing to do better. When a true BCP, true BCP yeah. test. Yeah, you know, how many BCPs are sitting and we're a little dusty when everybody needed to grab them? Or how many BCPs were not truly documented, but, you know, I know what I would do if something like this happened. This is definitely unprecedented. Um, but as much as we're all grieving the loss of what's going on right now with uh, being able to have interactions with people, and that's our core business, we mm -hmm. have nothing to sell in this industry. We're not on Amazon delivering you a present in financial right. investments. We have, no right? we have no physical product. We have no physical product whatsoever. Um, the value we bring is the relationship we build. Mm -hmm. You can still do that in this way, but it does take technology planning and, mm -hmm. um, and, and security in order to do it. And I think that's a definite shift for firms. Let me take a break from this episode to talk about one of my favorite sponsors, and that is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Uh, they are a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional, exceptional charitable work. With all that's going on in the world right now, nonprofits and those they serve are going to need more help than ever before. One way you can make a difference is by nominating an advisor for their Invest in Others Awards. These awards not only recognize financial advisors for the charitable work that they do, but they also give out critical funding to the nonprofits they're involved with, up to $50,000. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation is extending the nomination deadline uh, for their latest round of awards to Friday, April 17th, to give you more time to submit a nomination. Please visit www.investinothers.org forward slash nominate to learn more. So besides Zoom, besides video conferencing, what are some of the other questions that your RAA clients are asking? I'm getting a lot of questions in regards to how do I send a mass email to all my clients in order to continuously mm -hmm. communicate. Mm -hmm. um, we're very used to having clients come in the office, visit them, go, meet, go out to lunch, we're having seminars or we're ha you know, running campaigns. Uh, we're having uh, you know, client meetings that are uh, maybe appreciation events. All of those are gone right now. So yeah. the main communication that we're seeing, which always is email, but we're also recognizing people are paying attention to email because it's all we've got, right? <laughs> I've never looked at my Gmail account it's so much. It's all we've got. <laughs> right? Well, a couple reasons. Number one, that is the only way that all the vendors are communicating with us. Even if I'm ordering things online, right? My grocery right. order that I place that I need to pick up all in my email. I have two teenage boys. All of the communication between the schools and the curriculum, which is now online, is in my email. So we're getting a lot of attention through email. Mm -hmm. And so that's the number one communication. We're also recognizing we're not going to pick up the phone and call 500 clients. Mm -hmm. And these clients are going through the transition in their own lives, just like we are. We might mm -hmm. not be the first one they want to talk to. <laughs> so email no. is that necessity. Um, and so, <laughs> well, it's true though. Um, I've talked to a lot of advisors who said the communication has been tough. The pandemic is one thing. The volatile market is another, mm -hmm. right? And so we are the reality check when clients need to talk to us, right? We're the real mm -hmm. deal. We're telling them what's happening and we're also telling them, that we're, they're going to be okay, but it's a reality that a lot of 
people struggle to have that conversation right away. And we're used to having that conversation in person. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you say communications have been tough, so sending email campaigns is something their advisors are asking about. Um, what are you recommending for them? Well, I mean, the core issue I'm seeing with advisors and, and firms is that their CRMs do not have the data that's needed in order to generate the mass email that they'd like to send. Mm-hmm. So as much as we're all creating the communication and speaking um, some great messages, if you don't have email addresses that are accurate for every client in your database, mm-hmm. and if you don't have them marked as primary, right? We all know we mm-hmm. have a bunch of email addresses, right? Um, I, I run a business, I have two kids, I have eight email addresses that feed into my Outlook every day. Mm -hmm. And so if your clients have multiple email addresses and you're tracking them, how do you know which one is the main one that you should be sending these communications Mm -hmm. to? And most CRM systems require you to choose a primary in order for you to use the mass email function. So there's a lot of little innuendos here that the, the systems need to have as best practice in order to get you to that end feature of sending the email. Right. Um, And now this is a great cleanup measure as well, though. I was just talking to a client yesterday who said, we sent the mass email. We got 60 non-deliverables. We made 60 phone calls. It's the first time they've really been sending it. And so this is a great spring cleaning, if you will, (laughs) to make a phone call and say, we realize this email address isn't working do you have a different preference or is there a new email address? And that's happening a lot more too. Um, we all used to have the same email address on, you know, Yahoo or whatever it was. And these AOL. days, AOL. Yes. Yes. The that's how you know how old someone is. They still have an AOL account. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's a legacy, right? Um, but now we're starting to see a lot of clients that are changing their email address due to security if they've been hacked um, or have had any identity theft. Mm-hmm. Or we've all had those accounts where we used it for Christmas shopping <laughs> and now it's full of junk. So we start a new mm-hmm. account just to get rid of the junk. Um, so we're seeing a lot of clients that have changed email addresses, created new ones because of the pandemic. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of spring cleaning going on in CRMs as well. That's so it's it's kind of a small bonus, you know, benefit that's come from this crisis is cleaning up your CRMs. Yes, and then um, the other trend I'm seeing actually is that firms are recognizing that their CRM might not be they might not be fully utilizing all the features, or they might be using an older CRM and they need to step in today's, today's century with new CRMs. So um, right. I'm actually having an influx of, of CRM uh, prospect firms come in because they're finally realizing they, they need to move. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of great legacy systems out there, but it doesn't necessarily support the business or the infrastructure of what you need in, mm-hmm. in uh today's technology world and in our industry. And remember, the CRM is connecting to other very valuable tools that are necessities, the portfolio management system, the trading and rebalancing tool, um, and the key, which I've been on your podcast before, I've talked about this, I've been talking about it for five years, now suddenly everybody's interested, is if you don't have a client portal, this is, how, this is hurting you. It's tough. Uh-huh. If you had a client portal for your clients, they have a place where you can share documents, where mm-hmm. you can share information, where they can get an update and have peace of mind in regards to their accounts and their financial mm-hmm. plan and their wealth um, going forward. If you don't have that, you're right. You're getting a lot of phone calls. You're getting a lot of emails and you're telling them it's going to be okay. 
Yeah, the old, well, I bet the, the percentage of people using the client portal has skyrocketed. Yes. In fact, I was just sending some emails to some of the major vendors to see if they have some of those numbers at the end of the month, end of March, just to see if they had an influx of login, um, because I would really be interested in knowing that. Um, I would also be interested to know the influx of clients that have signed up, right? Mm-hmm. Clients need to actually sign up for the portal and they actually need to accept the invite. So are we seeing an influx of registrations for the portal mm-hmm. as well? Um, I think that's the hardest part about this is if you didn't deploy a client portal prior to this pandemic going on, deploying a client portal virtually is extremely difficult. The best way to deploy a client portal ideally is to be sitting in an office with your client and showing them the ropes, giving them a tour, have them bring in their laptop, have them bring in their iPad and show them on their device using a guest Wi-Fi that does not interfere with your Wi-Fi for security mm-hmm. <laughs> and having them log in and show them around. This is what right. the portal looks like. This is where we're going to drop documents for you if we need to share something. Um, this is where we could share this portal with your children or with your beneficiaries, mm-hmm. uh, with your CPA. And so that's the ideal. So if you try to do it now, they're already a little taken back by Zoom and now they're logging into something that is probably a little foreign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's going to be a problem, but they're going to have to get over it. They're going to have to figure out what to mm-hmm. do because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole new world now. That's correct. Um, and, and that's how you can actually replicate it. So what I suggest is, and, and let's remember, we're always telling clients not to click on links for cybersecurity, mm-hmm. but then we're sending clients links. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. <laughs> so what I suggest is, is schedule the virtual meeting. Yeah. Schedule the virtual meeting with the client and ask them, to also have their email open and ready at the time of your meeting. Mm -hmm. Then deploy their client portal invite while you're on the video conference with them and have them share their screen and say, look in your email, I just sent that to you, go ahead and click and walk them through. They can share their screen, make them be the person doing the the actions. Don't do it for Mm -hmm. them so that they can listen and learn and then have them have the experience via something like Zoom. Yeah, that sounds like good advice. And have you seen advisors having success with that? I have, I have. But to be honest, it's just starting now. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting. You and I have done projects together in the past, and we always talk about the firm or the advisor financial planner experience. And then we talk Mm -hmm. about that client experience, that client experience that we never want to forget about. I think at the initial time where stay in places started to get deployed and people really had no choice but to work virtually, right? advisors were very worried about themselves and their staff, which is very fair. You need to make sure home is taken care of first, make sure that you're stable and running your business. But I think advisors and planners were a little slow to try to make sure their client's experience was okay. Mm-hmm. Not the client mindset or how are you feeling about what's going on but what is your experience, right? And so they're a little slow to, to get to that. So I see a lot of advisors just this past week or so um, really pushing for that. <laughs> the timing, there's never a good time for this, but the timing also, we're at an end of quarter. Mm. Right, Most advisory time. firms do not have in their business continuation plan that one of their staff members should have a full uh, post office in their living room to mm. postmark and stamp quarterly performance reports. Hmm. Right. That's not a right. thing. Is that what they're doing? So, um, well, 
they're having to push their actual quarterly performance reports and billing statements virtually if you haven't done so already. So this is making Mm -hmm. firms run end of quarter processes very differently, and it's not allowing clients to have a choice. Clients have no choice but to do a phone call meeting or a Zoom meeting. They have no choice but to get their QPRs electronically. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And are you seeing a lot of pushback? Are you seeing a lot of problems? Are you seeing a lot of people saying, well, how do we do this? And No, in fact, I think this is the push that our industry needed because we were behind the curve in a sense of the client portal and and virtual uh, meetings. A lot of advisors were doing it with some clients, but it certainly wasn't the saturation that we're seeing now. So I think this is pushing the necessity of it. Mm -hmm. I also think that there's a lot of clients that had to grieve the loss of the relationship being in the office. So now we're starting to see a curve where they're becoming a lot more Um, interested. I've seen a huge curve in advisors bringing the outside family into meetings. I think it's a great point too. Everybody's home. Why not meet with your client's adult children or beneficiaries or have the CPA get on the plan? You can do it by Zoom and we're all at home. Nobody's really that busy unless you're working from home and you can't find a lunch hour right? We're not going anywhere anymore. I used to be chasing, you know, kids around with sports and um, running the client meetings and such, and we're not doing that anymore. So it's a great opportunity. Oh, goodness. I mean, if I don't have a Packer game this fall, I mean, it's (laughs) going to be heavy depression. (laughs) Well, we can talk about that later. That's a different podcast. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so what about uh, documenting processes? We talked about spring cleaning the CRM. We talked about you know, deploying client portals. Uh, one thing I know you're big on is documenting processes. Is, is now a good time to do that? I think it really is. Um, even just looking at the end of a quarter, how you're managing your end of quarter, the items that you're doing, the order in which you do them, needs to do those things. Is it one person that does the whole process? Is it three different people that you might have dependencies on, meaning I need to wait until she's done with this before he can start his process. Mm-hmm. It's, it's imperative. It's not only building processes, it's building repeatable processes. I'd like to uh-huh. trigger this over and over again for clients. Mm-hmm. I would like to have this triggered every quarter. I need this mm-hmm. to happen for compliance reasons every year. Um, right. We're seeing a lot more compliance come up now because mm-hmm. everybody's making sure that they are compliant in the way that they're operating in a different way. And we're also seeing a lot of extensions and different rules kind of coming from the pandemic. So workflows are absolutely necessary. And your workflows, if you have any in your CRM as an advisor or planner now, they literally changed the minute we got stay in place, right? Right. So those workflows are no, no longer happening because when you used to walk over and talk to somebody in the office and tell them to do something right. or, um, you know, we sending emails isn't good enough anymore. So we're seeing a mm-hmm. lot of um, instant messaging use, Slack use. Sure. Um, we're also catching up. Slack used to be used to just say, I'm going to go use the restroom or I'm going to lunch, right? Now we're seeing Slack used is the account number one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. That has to be archived. That is an mm-hmm. archivable event. So we're mm-hmm. starting to see tech that you're using might not be, compl- you might not be using it in a compliant way now mm-hmm. that you're no longer sitting next to somebody. So mm-hmm. I'm also suggesting that a lot of firms really look at their archival base. 
Um, social media is what 300 times higher usage right now because everybody's mm. what else is there to do right, right. Um, your your staff everybody needs to be archived if your company is mentioned within their profile right so mm. um, a lot of firms think because they're archiving email that they're good to go and you're not social media texting if you're not texting your art your uh, if you're not archiving your text that's a problem um, and then also instant messages need to as well right yeah it's, it's that's it's a whole nother issue that people don't realize that every everything every touch to the client has to be archived it does. they're not thinking about it they're thinking oh that's okay it's it's just a text right right it's just a text and it was a simple text but that's the one that they'll be looking for, for sure. Mm -hmm. And archival also means it's archived with only certain admin rights and it can never mm -hmm. be deleted. Archive mm -hmm. doesn't mean, well, I have it on my computer. That's not right. to SEC standards. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can delete anything on your computer, but within a true archival system, like the Smarsh or a Global Relay, um, mm -hmm. my rep chat does the, the texting, although Smarsh and Global also do that. Mm -hmm. That's the actual uh, rule-based functionality that's needed. Yeah. So are there any other questions that your RIA clients are asking you now? Um, I'm doing, a, I, I think the most common question recently is, can you look at my tech stack and is it good enough? Can mm. I sustain the business looking at this tech stack? So I think a lot of firms tend to focus on projects based on technology. I'm going to build workflows. I'm going to get a new trading rebalancing tool. But something like this kind of makes us look holistically at the entire tech stack and mm -hmm. say, is everything talking correctly? Am I growing out of a software? Am I using a Maserati and not a Volvo when I really need a Volvo? And so looking mm -hmm. at that whole tech stack and saying, one, can I sustain? Two, can I grow? And three, where am I at um, economically? I mean, there's some costing to all of this technology. And it's fair to say in this temperature of the economy of what's going mm -hmm. on, can I skimp on something? Can I downgrade yeah. a little bit in order to save some money but still have efficiencies? All right, so you're seeing firms looking to cost cut. Let's be real, firms are always cost cutting when it comes to technology and operations, yeah. right? We'll put as much money as we want into yeah. sales and marketing, but operations um, in a sense of humans, how many people we will hire to run operations. And then when it comes to technology, it always seems too expensive. But yes, mm -hmm. currently right now I am seeing, seeing that. Um, I don't find that as a bad thing. Most firms hoard technology. Mm. They buy the tech, they don't implement it. You know, how many times mm. have we heard firms say, I use a risk profiling software, but we don't really use it. I just have a, uh, you know, all I have is the login for it, but we've never really used it. Oh, well, you're paying $300 a month for it. That's interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of technology dieting that needs to happen. And this <laughs> something like technology this, dieting. Yeah. Something like this kind of makes you look in the fridge and say, what do I need to get rid of? What's old? Um, you know, even if it sits there and I look at it for months and months, am I really going to eat it? Am I really going to use it? And so um, I'm having a lot of calls with firms just talking through that entire tech stack with them being honest about whether or not it's valuable, uh, which also brings the other side of the equation, right? You should be using it. Why aren't you? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a little bit of skimming that we can do for sure. Giving some haircuts to tech stacks isn't a bad thing. These are all great um, euphemisms. Do you have technology hoarders? Yes. It needs then, to be a show on TLC. Right. So they need a technology <laughs> cleanup. 
Then we mm -hmm. have technology overeaters who need technology yes. diets. Yes. Yeah. Then we have the long hair technology uh, hippies who need technology haircut. True. Or <laughs> the hippies that really need to come into the today's century with technology. I think mm -hmm. this, um, <laughs> this is definitely opening the robe, right? This is mm -hmm. making firms have to look at themselves to say, can I run the business this way? But then also, even if you can, does it feel okay? Right. Um, What's the oldest it, tech you've seen an advisor, an RA using? Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, in general, I have a lot of firms that still have servers smoking in their offices, which isn't a bad thing if you have an IT firm helping you with that and you're running a virtual, a virtual desktop and the server just happens to be there. But usually that's not the case. The software itself is living on the server. The server lives in the office. Therefore, they're struggling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm seeing currently, it's not the oldest at all, but we're seeing a lot of portfolio center users needing to move. Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, desktop versions of CRMs that have been dying. Um, it's hard for me because I'm also a legacy user. The first CRM I used was, um, you know, Gorilla, uh, the build good mm -hmm. system. Um, and it's still out there and we're seeing it. Um, the biggest hiccup we're seeing with legacy software is it doesn't integrate with anything anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, two pieces. It doesn't integrate and it's not getting updated anymore. So yeah. um, it just doesn't talk to today's world and what we're doing. And let me be clear on that. It's not that it doesn't talk to other softwares. That's obvious. It doesn't integrate. It doesn't offer the support of the services we're giving to clients today. So 10, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't um, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we weren't talking about the wealth of your life. <laughs> we weren't talking about how does money make you feel? <clears throat> we weren't talking about how money makes you feel at all. We were just talking about what your money is doing in the market today, right? How is it matching up against the um, S&P? It's not the conversation anymore. And so, excuse me, <clears throat> you need software that supports the services that you're offering in the industry. Hmm. And legacy systems like that are not offering financial planning support, right? Supporting your processes or your necessity for connecting with clients in that way. So that's also the big difference is that firms that are using legacy software, either they're not offering those services and they're struggling or they're offering the services and they're managing all of that in Excel. Ah, Excel, favorite, good old standby. Yeah, correct. Well, how many, I mean, I don't know if you got calls or not, but I've got a lot of calls of how can I send mass emails through Outlook? And my first question is why, why would you do that? I outlook, hmm. right? Well, most of my contacts are in there. Yeah. 30% of advisors use outlook as their CRM, right? So outlook or their yeah. phone. Yeah. Sync them both. And it seems genius, right? Not really. Right. <laughs> and now with uh, did you see Excel, Microsoft announced a deal with plaid. Yes. So now yes. advisors will never get off Excel. That is correct. And plaid also, um, uh, Platt also bought Quovo, right? Bought Quovo last so year. yeah, there's a lot of, you know, full circles going on. And now just to confuse them, I was actually talking about this yesterday. Microsoft renamed itself for the 90th time. So that confuses right. people. So. It's not Office 365. It's Microsoft 365. Again, people just need to know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put lipstick on a pig. Um, still a pig, but 
that's great. So that just confuses people. So it'll take a while. It will take a while. All right, so mm -hmm. um, is now a good time to deploy new technology? If you have a tech strategist to help you. <laughs> Someone like <laughs> you. <laughs> right. Um, you know, this is actually happening at kind of an interesting time. Uh, this is happening right at spring to summer in a sense of seasons. And mm -hmm. I always say summer is my busiest season as a tech strategist and consultant because traditionally summertime, your clients are not as busy. They're not meeting mm -hmm. with you as often. They're spending time with their families. They're up north at cottages. Uh, college students are home and it's family time during the summer. Uh, I live in the Midwest. So um, when there's nothing to do in January and you're in a foot of snow, you'll go see your, your advisor, right? <laughs> um, so this is traditionally the season, if you will, to manage technology and deploy new, new tech. But mm -hmm. the temperature of what's going on, um, we're seeing some advisors not ready to take that plunge. Ironically, client service professionals, anybody helping with client needs, they have the time right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients are not opening new accounts right now. This isn't the time, nor are they meeting with you in order to do that. We're not seeing a lot of new clients come in the door. So client service professionals who are managing your client onboarding or your client um, service or current mm -hmm. clients, they have time. Most of them have 30 to 40% more time right now in the past two weeks than they ever have. So that's a great time if those people have the skill set and capacity to help with a transition like that. Now is the time. Now is also yeah, the time to be talking to these vendors, right? Yeah. The vendors are not as busy. So this is the time to get true attention from vendors that you might be looking at. But now is the time to call Kristen Schmidt at RIA Oasis. <laughs> or Credit so, Suisse, yes. This is the time where we, we definitely can deploy and help and explain. Right. It's riaoasis.com. That's correct. Kristen, thanks so much for being in the program. It was uh, oh, super I, helpful. I think people are going to get a lot out of this. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Hey, it's Craig again, and I hope you got a lot out of that episode. I know I did. My favorite parts were uh, the SEC BCP failures that you need to test every part of your business continuity plan. And now is a great time to test it since it's really in operation now. Um, the uh, spring cleaning of your CRM is a great, uh, a great, some great advice. And the technology hoarders, the technology dieting, and the technology haircuts. Great visuals so you remember, uh, remember these things when you're talking to clients and when you're looking at your own technology, uh, what you should be doing and, and why you need some help from someone like Kristen. Uh, so that wraps things up. Please remember to subscribe, like us everywhere you find us, give us some comments, share it, and everything else. And we will talk to you all next time.